May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I saw two very old photographs this week. Photos I had never seen before in my life. Um, but they were very important to me, very interesting to me. The first was of a group of neighborhood kids who lived around the corner of Lagunda Avenue and Jasper Street in Springfield, Ohio. It was taken probably sometime around the year 1973 or 74. Gee, I guess Nixon was still president in 1973 or 74, long time ago. And, and I was one of the people in this photograph, a little boy, four or five years old, I'm sitting there with a bunch of kids from the neighborhood. My neighbor, Kathy Groove, it was her birthday party, and, and she sort of lived right on the corner of Jasper Street and Lagunda Avenue, and, and her house was sort of the, uh, the hub for all these spokes of, of houses that kids were all living in. And so we were all kind of gathered at Kathy's house, and, and it was a party for her, her birthday. And, and in the picture, I see, um, I see my, myself, cute kid, right there in the middle, Cues of all of them. And, um, and so there I was, right in the middle, and my brother sitting just uh, behind me in, in the next row of kids. And, um, and my brother and I are wearing exactly the same outfit. Striped shirts, you know, uh, identical matching um, white trousers. Explains why everybody in the neighborhood was trying to beat us up all the time. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Um, so it, it, was, it, was a, it was a cute picture, though. These, these little kids all gathered together at a birthday party. And, and my friend Kathy, she posted it on Facebook just this week. And so it was the first, maybe I'd seen it before, first time I'd, I've seen that photo. First time ever. And it sort of stunned me to see it. I mean, it stunned me for a lot of reasons. First of all, because I immediately recognized myself in the photo. I, I looked at it and I saw myself and thought, well, that's you. You know, hey, Joe, that's you. A long time ago, you. But even though I recognized myself... I recognize my brother. I recognize Paul and Zanya and all the other kids in the neighborhood who sat there, none of whom looked like what they looked like there in that picture. I could remember nothing about that day. Nothing about that event. It was like um, it was like I was looking at someone else's life. Have you ever had that moment? You're, you're looking at this photo. I surely must have been there or I'm in the photograph. But I can't remember a single thing about it. I don't recall the games we played. I don't remember I don't remember the sort of cake that Kathy had for her, her birthday party, whether it was chocolate or white cake or strawberry. I couldn't remember anything about it. Moment in time, it was captured. I was there, but I don't remember anything about it. The second photo I saw this week was a photo of my great-grandmother. Um, I remember as a young child going to my great-grandmother's house, my great-grandmother Baker. And we would go there on Christmas Eve every year. It was our, our family tradition. Always go to grandmother, Grandma Baker's house for Christmas Eve. Our great-grandmother. And I remember things about the house. Like, I remember the tree that was massive. It probably really wasn't, but it seems like it in my memory. So huge. You know, covered in tinsel. I remember the copious amounts of 7-Up that were hidden in the, in the kitchen. And I could go right to where they were. Um, and, and I must have. Uh, I remember the crash in the front yard. Those sorts of things. And the photo that I saw was of my grandmother. But here's the thing. I always remember my grandmother as being very, very old. I mean, 178 or 179, somewhere up there, you know. Really, really old. 
Turns out she wasn't that old. I was just really, really young. And, you know, when you're that young, like everybody over 12 is old. And so uh, it, it seems like she was, you know, very, very... But in this photo, this photo that I saw just the other day, she's 22 or 23, a young woman, somewhere around 1930. And I... I, I just, it, it was like I was looking at somebody I'd never seen before, somebody I knew nothing about. She passed away when I was only 11. And so the grandmother that I remember was nothing like this young woman in the picture. And so I have these two photos in my mind just this week. You know, this, this photo of me at four or five, this photo of my great-grandmother. And, and I look at, and I just saw these people, you know, these, these friends of mine that were all surrounding me and myself and my, my grandmother and and I thought to myself, you know, how, what were things like? You know, what, what were people thinking on those days? What was my grandmother thinking in, in 1930 when she sat down and had that photograph taken? I mean, what was, what was, going, what was her Christmas going to be like that year? And, and the day of the party, did children leave that day happy? Or were they disappointed? They didn't get to play pin the tail on the donkey? I mean, were they, was Kathy, was she thrilled with her gift? I don't remember her getting a pony, so she must have been somewhat disappointed, because I probably would have been for her. And, you know, there, what, what was it like, I mean, that day? There are images in Luke's gospel that are very, very familiar to us. We hear this story read, and maybe some of us can actually hear it in the old King James Version, you know. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, and all the world should be taxed. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth with, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. You remember this line? Being great with child. You remember hearing that? And there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone about them. And you remember this line? And they were sore afraid. We hear these, these lines from that, from that story and, and, and it evokes images, memories, you know, maybe, maybe uh, paintings that you've seen along the way. And these words are sweet to us. I mean, they sort of, they sort of sound like this, "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a... Oh yeah, you know that one too, don't you? They're soft and they're sweet and they're warm and they evoke such a sense of, of joy and delight. But what I want to do tonight, for just a moment, is to kind of flip back through Luke's pictures. He gives us some pictures and I think that, that maybe we've been looking at them perhaps a little too long and we become very nostalgic about them and we don't really see them for what they are. And it came, it came about, or came to pass rather in those days... That there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Perhaps you don't know this. This will be news to you. But people aren't very fond of taxes. <laughs> no, yeah, a little fond, maybe. Um, no, not Texas. They're very fond of taxes. They're not very fond of taxes. You know, that's where the government tells you you have to pay money for certain services. People don't like that. But in the first century, living in Israel, people really didn't like this. You see, taxes weren't being levied in order to form a, a, an army to protect the Israeli countryside. Taxes weren't being levied in order to, to, to fund policemen and school teachers and, and uh, hospitals. This is not why 
taxes were being levied on the people. The people didn't get to vote on these taxes either. They were simply placed upon them by an emperor 1,400 miles away. And he did it in order to establish and to strengthen what was called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Which wasn't peace at all. <laughs> even the, even the old you know Roman uh, historians would say the peace of Rome is is when Rome goes in and creates a desert and calls it peace. Uh, this is not peace at all. It was oppressive. It was harsh. When you hear Luke giving you this image that a, a decree goes out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, you should think about this despotic ruler. This, this emperor who was being oppressive and violent, spiteful. You should think about what it's like to live today in Syria. That's what Luke wants you to hear. He wants you to understand what it's like to live in Darfur. He wants you to understand what it would be like to be in Poland in 1930. That's what he wants you to see. An imp- a decree goes out from the emperor and everybody lives under that oppression. And then you hear this story about Mary and Joseph traveling. You remember? And Joseph is from Nazareth, and so he has to travel to Bethlehem. And you say, oh, isn't that sweet? That's what I say. Isn't that sweet? You know, this is fulfilling Scripture. You, know, you can look back in the Old Testament, and it's right there. You know, the book of Micah, you can see chapter 5, verse 2. Right there, it's fulfilling Scripture. Doesn't that warm your heart? Warms mine. And you th- but that's not what Luke wants us to see. Luke wants us to see a young woman, nine months pregnant, traveling 80 miles by foot. I don't know if any of you are hikers, but an average day on the Appalachian Trail is 12 miles. If this woman walked from Nazareth to Bethlehem and did it in a week, she would have had to travel about 20 miles a day by foot. An exhausting, exhausting job. Even if she had stretched it out to just five miles a day, it would have taken her three weeks. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I travel somewhere, I talk about, you know, I'll say something like, yeah, I just flew in today. And by that, I mean what you would mean if you said that. That I got on an airplane, I sat down, I plugged in my Walkman, and I, I you know, I fired up the, the, my Walkman, my uh, whatever you call it, and my iPod, my phone, and I start listening to the Dave Matthews Band for two or three hours, right? I'm, I'm sitting back like with a seatbelt on, somebody's bringing me a soda. I, I, that's what I mean by flying. I, I don't mean that I'm like sitting up front, like driving, right? And I certainly am not doing what my grandfather used to say, you know, or your arm's tired. None of that. And I'm so weary. Oh, my word, I traveled all the way today from wherever to here. You know, never anywhere exciting. Uh, You know, I went all the way to Little Rock, Arkansas. And I'm weary. Find me a hotel. I've got to lie down. Mary and Joseph traveling 80 miles by foot because some ruler 1,400 miles away declared that they needed to be registered in order to be rightfully taxed. Luke wants us to see that... That, that struggle, that suffering that's going on in Mary and Joseph's life. And it, while, while they were there, it, the days became accomplished that she should be delivered. And she, Mary, brought first, forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in, a ma- laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And again, isn't that sweet? I mean, a, a little crib with straw in it and a sweet little baby wrapped in swaddling bands of cloth. 
And who couldn't like that? Until you think about your child being born in a stable. And there's no blankets. So you find old rags that were used, you know, for whatever. And you wrap this child in rags. And there's no crib in this nursery. There's a, there's a feeding trough for animals. And you lay this baby in his... And Luke is not saying, look at this beautiful little picture. Isn't this quaint? He's saying, can you imagine what it would be like to live in such a difficult day? To see such, see such hardship. He wants us to see this picture. Not just with the warm fuzzies that we feel at Christmas time. But like we would look at a picture of men standing in a soup line during the Depression. He wants us to see this picture the same way we'd see Jews emaciated standing by a fence at Auschwitz. He wants us to see this picture the same way that we would see Haitians standing on top of crumbled up buildings because an earthquake had destroyed their homes. This isn't right. This isn't the way things are supposed to be. What a horrific experience. But he also wants us to know this. If God can step into this world, then He can surely step into ours. If He can step into this world, He can step into ours. The miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of the fact that God becomes flesh and dwells among human beings, is not that He can do it. Of course He can. He's God. It kind of goes with the job, right? The miracle of the incarnation is that God wants to come into our world. That He wants to dwell with humans. So maybe this moment here, in your mind's eye, you're flipping through some images of your own past year. Maybe some things will come to your mind. I don't know. A bad day when you went to the mailbox and you opened up a letter and it took your breath away. And not for the right reasons, but for all the wrong ones. Maybe you have a picture in your mind of standing next to a bedside of somebody who slipped from time into eternity. You know what the gravity of life is all about. Maybe you had cross words with someone sometime and you wish that hadn't happened. Or maybe you're sitting down and you're flipping through the news and you see those, those images that from the news channel that come into your mind and you think to yourself, how in the world can these sorts of things happen? And maybe, just maybe for a moment, are overcome, overwhelmed with sadness and despair. I'd want you to flip through another picture, though, if you're going through all those. And it's back in Luke's Gospel as well. A young teenage girl sits in a stable stall with a, with a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's lying on her lap. And she looks down at him. And she's not afraid. In fact, Luke says, she treasures all these things in her heart. She looks at him and she's not afraid. She knows that in fact, in the face of hardship and disappointment and uncertainty, in the face of sadness and grief and despair... God steps into her world, and tonight, He steps into ours. Not just to show that He can, but in order to make all things new again. In order to help us to be the human beings we were created to be. To give us life, 
to give us love, to give us joy, and above all, to give us hope in a little baby, Jesus Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.